This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Did you know that most women are actually pregnant for 10 months? Yeah? I don't know where this nine-month myth came from, But if you give birth at nine months, i.e. 36 weeks, your baby is medically preterm, aka premature. A full-term pregnancy is 40 weeks, which is 10 months, and I only realised I had been scammed in this way at the start of my third trimester, which was basically too late to do anything about it. But after those incredible 10 months of growing a human from scratch comes the fourth trimester. This is the period immediately after birth where everyone, including baby, is adjusting to everything new. Technically, a trimester is meant to last three months or so, but let's just say that for parents, this adjustment period can go on for much longer. Welcome to episode 6 of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide, a podcast about surviving and thriving through motherhood from the perspective of black mums in Britain. I'm Jen Della Benson, head of editorial at Black Ballad, and this episode we're talking about the fourth trimester. From the outside, pregnancy and early motherhood can seem like this amazing journey filled <sighs> actually, wait let's not generalize because not all of us feel this way i always saw pregnancy it was never really cute to me no me neither really yeah. i didn't know that i used to see pregnant women and feel like you guys look like you're in pain you look Honestly. really unhappy <laughs> it wasn't cute to me no like, yeah it just wasn't cute i i feel like i want to have kids i'm just not sure how i might get <laughs> I might get sorry, but honestly, without telling my friends, I thought birthing kids, nah, I don't want to be pregnant. They look tired. It just looks like a lot of work that I don't really want to get involved in. You just heard from Ola and Samantha, the hosts of Shades of Black Parenting podcast. Samantha has two kids, a girl and a boy, and Ola has one little girl. As with all of our guests, I asked Samantha and Ala about what kind of ideas or expectations they had about motherhood before they began their journey. Samantha answered first. My image of motherhood was my mum and my aunties and parents I've seen like of my friends and everything and I don't think that really prepared me for motherhood at all because we didn't really have discussions about my mum's experience of motherhood so all I saw was oh god motherhood is is sacrifice it's Mm. being stressed out Mm. it's having to balance lots of different things and she's a single mother as well so I didn't really see someone who I felt was living her best life in all areas she's a great mum but I think I would have liked to have seen her as a mother who was being loved by somebody else like romantically as well and supported Mm -hmm. in that way and I don't think we really had a discussion about what motherhood meant really I think that whole like pregnancy thing about thinking pregnant women look very like much like they're struggling. I, I thought that way until like a few months before I was pregnant the first time. So, <laughs> so, so I was still kind of reconciling my, I don't know, my beliefs. I don't know. Up until like my first pregnancy. I don't think I was very prepared for my personal experiences or personal exposure, but I read a lot. I read a lot. And I really tried to examine myself as well before the pregnancy, during the pregnancy and and after. 
to see what kind of values I thought were important for a good mum. That's interesting. So it was kind of not cerebral is the wrong word because some people get caught up in the whole like, oh, the baby clothes and the names and the all of that kind of stuff. But for you, it was more about the emotional, is that fair to say, aspect of it? It was like very much value based, like I don't know about emotional, but just values. Like what kinds of values do I think are important to raise a child? What kind of values do I want her to have as important in her life? Like what kind of values like, am I living by? And I think those were the questions that I was really asking myself throughout the process. And it was leading me to the kinds of resources that I was finding, like books and podcasts and like websites and things, Facebook groups. So I, I think it, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't, I don't know for the emotional, I don't know, but it wasn't about the kind of material things. Very basic, yeah. very, very basic. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> no, that makes sense. What about you, Ala? How did you, did you feel prepared for motherhood or pregnancy? And how did you prepare and kind of get yourself ready? I think I was, pre- believe, shockingly, I, I felt like I was prepared for pregnancy because I'm the type of person, I think naturally I, I'm I'm tough as I roll with it. Do you know what I mean? I make the best of whatever it is anyway. So once I'm pregnant, I I wasn't going to dwell in it or be upset. I mean, what can I do? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So so I embraced my pregnancy. By God's grace, it was smooth. So I enjoyed it. And I told myself I'm going to enjoy my pregnancy. I'm going to enjoy my pregnancy. And I kind of affirmed that. And, And so I did. I did. I enjoyed my pregnancy a lot. I think I just wasn't prepared for the part after pregnancy, especially that short window where your hormones are still trying to balance out. That was a mental shock to me. I don't know if anyone had warned me about that. I can't remember. But I remember shortly after I had my daughter, I just, I didn't feel like myself. And that was a very strange period for me, just even like on a mental level. It was just very foreign. I felt very out of control of my emotions, of my thoughts, I was grateful to have family and friends around me at that time. So it was that period. No one told me, you know, people say, oh, you know, you might be a little bit crazy. You know, they make joke out of you a little bit, <laughs> baby, and all that stuff. But I didn't realize how serious it was. Now, if you don't hear it anywhere else, those first few days, weeks, months of postpartum life can be wild. The pregnancy books might talk about baby blues, but somehow that just doesn't cover it because it's not just about feeling weepy or a little bit down for a few days. You can feel anything from depression to mania to anger and it can last a lot longer than you might expect. I feel like my window wasn't a small window. It wasn't like a few weeks or a few months. It was like a whole year. Mm. I felt like I was on the brink of rage for at least 12 months postpartum everything annoyed me my tolerance level for everything was shockingly low it was a lot and I remember right at the beginning I think it was day seven day seven or day nine and everything was like it's not just the hormones it's the milk coming in and you know having a c-section as well it's the constipation it's the pain so I think it was by day seven my milk was coming in really well but I was getting engorged so I had my breasts were hurting then I was constipated I hadn't opened my bowels for like this was probably TMI since before I had her so seven days I was yeah. full up and, <laughs> and then the c-section pain so I was like oh, just God. all over in pain I couldn't turn over in bed by myself couldn't really hold my baby properly. And I, I was just like, what, what is this life? And I just cried. And it was the first time actually that my mum was like, because she's she's very stoic, like she's like very strong, like don't cry. Or she'll like tell you, okay, you've got five minutes to cry. And after mm. that, we'll, we'll move on. But at this point, I think she was feeling the pain for me. Mm. She was just like, oh, it's okay. She was scared. She was scared. Mm. And nothing scared my mum. So, um, it was just crazy. So that was like day seven, day nine, I think, where all the hormones, all the physical changes really got on top of me. And I was just really questioning, like, what have I done? Why have I done this? You know, what mm. does this mean? Both babies. No, th- well, <laughs> I think with the first one, it was the physical shock that 
got me. But with the second one, it was the having to pause. I think it was the social stuff that got me. Having to pause my life again mm-hmm. for, at this point, 12 months. That was a lot for me. So it was the emotional stuff on top of the physical stuff. Because, yeah, that constipation is a killer. Yeah, I know that those first few weeks, I think the first time around, no one could have warned me about that. Mm. No one. It was it was a lot. And definitely, I was definitely on the brink of rage for at least 12 months after oh, wow. after having her. Yeah, I was very fragile. I think it was probably all of the above. It was the hormones. And I think even after pregnancy, we were told, oh, yeah, you know, for the first month or so, your hormones are still, you know, balancing out. Actually, it takes a bit longer than that. So I think it was hormones. It was also like, you've got so many more demands on you now, you yeah. know, like breastfeeding, all those things. And I was going back to, to school to study full time as well. So having to manage that, being married as well, having to ma- manage a marriage, it was just a lot of change at the same time. Even though like you plan for it, right? Like you expect everything, like, mm. yeah, I'm going to have a baby and whatever. You have nine months yeah, yeah, to, exactly. <laughs> to get used to the idea. Yeah, but you don't know until until it happens you know so I think those 12 months was a real like adjustment like growing pains I think if you only had one thing to think about during that period it would be bad enough but like Sam said life doesn't just stop to give you time to get yourself together long story short you need help You need a support system that can be relied on when it feels like you can't even think in a straight line. I definitely had people around me. My mum stayed with me. So they took turns. Our parents took turns. So my mum stayed with me. I think it was for like three weeks. Then the other grandma stayed with me for another three weeks. And then they would take time whenever they could to come and stay with me, which was extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. especially considering how fragile I felt like I was mentally. And yeah, they do as they do. You know, they came on and took it. Oh, let me make you stew. You know, <laughs> sit down, don't do this. Don't do, th-. you know how they are. So they did that to the full, <laughs> the full capacity, which was irritating at times. But on reflection, I, I needed it and I would definitely need it again. So. <laughs> I wanted all the Calvary. Like, I'm always really shocked when women are like, no, it, I just want, you know, it's with me and my husband mm. and my partner for the first month. And I'm like, look, I said, oh, I called, no, I don't even need to call anyone. My aunties all called me, like, when shall we come? I'm like, look, you guys better pack your bags. Mm. Pack your bags <laughs> and come ASAP and bring mm. some yam. Like, honestly, <laughs> honestly. Like, I wanted all the help. I got a lot of help. I probably would have been even happy with, you know, some more. But my mum came to stay with us for, I think, two to three weeks. But also we had moved closer to her anyway. So she was like a five minute drive away. So she'd pop in and help out like almost on a daily basis for the first few months. And then after when I went back to school, she actually looked after my daughter for, I think, four days a week anyway. Then after she, so we, I'm Igbo and we have like a very formal tradition called Omugo. Probably pronouncing it really wrong, but I don't, I don't care. <laughs> it's, the, it's the sentiment that counts, I'm remembering it. It just means that after, you know, a daughter has a baby, the mother of the daughter will come and stay with her, usually for a few months and just you know do all those things cook you know help with the baby that sort of thing so that the woman can it's like that extra added support and protection during the I guess like the other fourth trimester I was lucky enough to have my collar Um, my mother-in-law came to stay after my mum left and so I had an added I think one or two weeks with her and then when she left my sister came to stay for a few days and then when she left my husband's aunt came to stay for a few days so I was just yeah I was really really blessed but like Ola was saying like I don't remember anyone ever saying anything about blues or feeling down or feeling emotional and I think Omugo like the implicit I guess reason for doing it is to prevent against those things Mm. but no one we don't really have the the language or the vocabulary to talk about emotions in that way so the way that they 
show their love and their and their support is by just being physically present and by physically doing things and um, which I I mean I appreciated but I think it would have been nice to hear oh you know when you know I had you know baby I was I was feeling a bit low or, especially for my mum because you know, she had all her children here and her parents died quite young so I actually don't know what support she had when she mm. gave birth and the first few months I might actually just ask her as well actually when I next see her because I think it's interesting to know and it's yeah and it's just made me think now like what kind of what am I going to teach my daughter about that period like postpartum period and I think I would want her to know that it is hard and that traditionally and culturally we do have things in place to support us I don't really want her to just have no idea whatsoever about what it's like or to have like, this rosy picture about what it's like either. All three of us can testify to the immense difference it made having family and friends ready and willing to put their lives on pause to support us through those uncertain steps of early parenthood. Many of our parents and grandparents grew up in communities where this was the norm. An extended network of family and friends could be counted on to come through with food or hands ready and willing to take on housework at the very least. Not to mention there to entertain older kids, keep the new mum company or just hold the baby while mum lies down and tries to catch up on sleep. One thing that I think about often is how modern life in big cities like London just doesn't allow for these traditions or forms of practical care to continue. I think about what might happen when it comes time for us to be grandparents or even how we can better take care of our peers who might not have family able to help them in these ways. Ola and I have discussed it before about community, right? And how we benefited so much from our parents' like sense of community. You know, the times when you would go and stay for like six weeks at your cousin's house. Yeah, and there's no issue. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like now, I don't know... I mean, my brother has three kids, three boys, and they're all like five and under. And I don't think I could handle having those three <laughs> for a day, let alone six weeks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, and not even just that, like practicalities as well. We live in a flat, right? And mm-hmm. it's a small space and London flats tend to be quite small, small spaces. So that's mm-hmm. just that practicality as well. We're all working a lot of our parents are still working as well yeah and I was lucky enough that both my mum and my mother-in-law are now retired but that's not the case for everybody Mm -hmm. so it's just it's a lot harder to try and I guess replicate what our parents had and what our parents did so I completely feel feel you on that point like the space is not easy to make but we have to make the effort to do so you know Mm. So, like, I think when Ola and I discussed it, we were talking about just, like, cooking for your friends who have had babies and just taking it round, you know, just doing the things that you know that you'd want done for yourself. Yeah. I think we really need to grab hold of those traditions and, like, really not let go. I think it's so important and protective. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. I think there's just so many beautiful traditions that are at risk. And I think similarly to what Jindela was saying, the London environment does not permit for us to really continue them. I mean, like the employee handbook <laughs> doesn't permit it. Right. If dies, you get what, two, three days off? Right. Do you know what I mean? Which is awful, like on a human level, yeah. it's awful. We have, I'm not sure how, I think I need to give it like conscious thought. Mm-hmm. I feel like even as you're speaking, I'm like, you know, maybe I need to make a note of traditions that I've experienced and that, that I know of and that I've experienced that I can consciously hand them down to my daughter. Because sometimes we want to, but we forget, we get caught up so I can make that conscious effort. And now I think, you know, when my friends have babies, I send them gifts because that's what we do. But mm-hmm. I can also contact Tasty or whatever, all these restaurants, <laughs> send them jollof rice, send them soup so that they can put it in their freezer. That's right. Yeah. That's a good idea. Even if I can't physically make it down there because work doesn't permit. Do you know what I mean? It's making me think. It's making me think. But I think that these things are so important. They're so, so vital. But like we were saying, Sam, with the way things are set up, it's so difficult to maintain. And I feel like we've take, we've adopted a lot of the British culture 
yeah. of individualism in a way. Yes. Obviously, each to their own, but I have some of my friends that'll be like, like, let's say, for example, somebody passes. We now, before, our parents, for example, okay, Auntie, I don't know, Auntie Bookie, whatever, we are going to our house tonight. That's mm-hmm. it. Everyone gathers around to console her. But we've adopted a culture now where it's, I don't want to, I don't want to be too much. So let me just pop her a text. Hey, I just want to send my, which I totally understand. But I feel like there's so many beautiful things. I think like what you said, Sam, we have to protect, man. I think it's really, really important. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, so depending on your culture, when you become a mother, you might get a new name. In Yoruba culture, it's mama or ia plus the name of your firstborn child. And I say this partly as a joke, but partly being deadly serious. Look, I know the whole thing about being addressed as so-and-so's mummy at playgroup or when going to pick up your kid from school is annoying or irritating or even depressing to some mums. But for me personally, I saw this new name, whether it was the Yoruba version or the English one, as a symbol of this new version of me. I've said it before and I'll say it again. People do say that at childbirth, it's actually two people that are born the baby and the new mother. So for me, this fourth trimester was about learning how to wear this new version of myself, getting used to my new body, my new outlook, my new feelings and desires. I asked Samantha and Allah about how their transitional period went. I, it was definitely a process. And I think part of that whole 12 months of rage <laughs> was, <laughs> was was me also just coming into that sense of now that I have a child like none of the basic banal stuff matters do you know what I mean I've got more important things to think about so as a student I was going to like hospitals for my placements and things and some of the the senior doctors can be really bullies like they can be real bullies and before having my daughter, I was very timid, very polite. After having my daughter, I got into arguments yeah. with, big, <laughs> with big bosses. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, my, my breasts are leaking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I've got a baby I need to go and collect. I've been up since like 2 a.m. I have not got time for this nonsense. Yeah. So I think I became a lot more assertive. and a lot more determined I think I was stronger I was definitely stronger out of it and my perspective really changed so the the way that I approach things now is completely different to how I approach things before having children I think that I'm still finding my feet with it because because the goalposts I feel like it keeps changing because she continues to grow so there's like a new phase I've got to kind of figure out and a new phase. And then she's moved along and she's moved along. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm still, I'm still finding 
it's not always what I want it to look like or what I've imagined in my head. So I'm always trying to remember to be kind to myself. Mm. As you always say, Sam, I'm always trying to remember to kind of be kind to myself. I think it's a journey Mm. that I will continue to be on for as long as she continues to grow. So it's just like a never ending journey, really. And I think it's just about adapting and weaving my way through to the best that I can. So if I know that I'm doing that to the best of my ability, then then that's enough. I think when you speak to enough mothers, maybe, mm. or enough women, you realise that no, nobody's really got it together. <laughs> nobody's perfect. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? People are Instagram pretending. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's not real. Do you know what I mean? And it's so easy to get carried away and believe Everyone wants to put their best foot forward, right? Yeah. And it's so easy to get carried. Like I'll have moms that would maybe sometimes say to me, if let's say I go see my mom, or I mean a friend with her daughter, and you know she might be like, oh yeah, you know, you can see that she's indirectly explaining why her her daughter's hair is messy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I just I I know that no, I don't care how much people try to pretend. I know that we're all. I don't know. We're all trying to figure it out. And yeah, that's all. I just think when we're all trying to figure it out, I think it's important to figure out your own identity in your journey, Mm -hmm. which can take time to do, which can change. Like for me, I I never really realized how lost I became in my titles until I reflected on it. And it's when I started doing things that were independent of say being a wife and a mom, and doing things that fed me as an individual, as Ola, not as Mama Shade, that I, I don't know, I just became more sure of myself. So I didn't become too phased in this picture perfect. I would take things from certain women that I thought could work for me, but I, I tried my best to not let it tell me that what I was doing is rubbish or not enough. I think Ola, like something that I've always admired about you is that you have always tried to remember Ola. Do you mm. know what I mean? In the midst of it all, in the midst of all the craziness, the busyness, the pressures, you've always tried to remember Ola as the woman, you mm. know? And it's I've always admired that. Because I think once, if you're nurturing, you know, who you are as a person, then you there's no there's no other option that, but your child to also flourish. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think a lot of the time, even for like me, most definitely it's very easy to get lost in the titles and then you become very, very dissatisfied later on. Um, In my case, quite resentful actually as well um, at times. So yeah, I think that's a key thing that you've, you've mentioned about like making sure you're nurturing yourself and remembering yourself and being kind to yourself in the process. Yeah. Cause the kids will be fine. You know, if, if you're okay, the kids will be more than fine. Yeah, we'll you fine. Know? Me- meanwhile, you'll be looking haggard. The kids will be fine. I think I have to like constantly remind myself. I, no, I don't really get too phased by other people's children. No, I, I know that's a lie. When I see, <laughs> when I see, like I have a friend who's three-year-old is doing like multiplication and good for them factions. <laughs> like, at my big age I cannot even do <laughs> but no but seriously in general I don't really get faith by other people's children or like their parenting journeys I'd like to draw what I, the positives like draw what I can and learn from them we're really really blessed to have like a plethora of parents around us that are just amazing Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm I'm really blessed with that. I think it's the pressure you put on yourself. For me, that's the biggest thing, the biggest struggle. Yeah. And yeah, I think just being kind to yourself is the like most important thing. I remember with my mother-in-law, she's got five children and they're all quite close in age. And I remember just being like, I think I was struggling like with just my daughter, so just the one, the oldest one. And I was just thinking, I was like, oh, how, how, you know, I'm just I've just got one how am I struggling so much mm-hmm. you know my mother-in-law had five my mom had four and she was by herself you know and then I remember asking my mother-in-law like how did you do it with with five and she was like so what do you mean mm-hmm. I was in Nigeria I had house help I had you know this auntie that auntie 
she was like, what you guys are doing, I couldn't do. I said, oh. Okay. And just put things into perspective for <laughs> me. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. it's a different... So what you're comparing yourself to is not even the reality. This you know? is it. Yeah. This is it. Even with yeah. my mum, I had an au pair. And I forgot about this woman. I was like, who? I remember, like, this woman used to live in our house and look after me. You know? <laughs> so it's like... And I, that, I, lady, that lady, Auntie Grace. <laughs> Auntie Grace. I remember her, you know? But she was my au pair. Do you know what it is? It's asking for help, right? Mm-hmm. And like Ola, you were saying about individualism in you know the Western kind of context, we think we can we should just do it all ourselves. I think our parents, like what they what they have been very good at, is asking for help when they need it and taking advantage of the systems and structures of help that are available. You know, so having a cleaner, having house help or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like those were the things that they they took advantage of as a way to be kinder to themselves even in terms of like say for example with me being that way is because I have people around me who remind me of me do you know what I mean that's why so even I have people around me that knew me before I was married Mm. I remember we had a conversation and they were like oh no what are you saying this is not you (laughs) and then I said is it not and then that caused me to reflect do you know what I mean also one thing that Sam said before that was very very sound and I've kept it, is that sometimes we feel like there's certain things that we're not qualified to have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So let's say, for example, oh, we're in a flat. So if I get a cleaner, I'm really lazy because you're supposed to have a cleaner. You're supposed to have a cleaner when you yeah. don't have a kitchen. But I remember yeah. when I did that, Sam, I was like, you know, well, you know what? It's, and I remember Sam was talking about outsourcing. Yeah. Outsourcing help. Yeah, yeah. That is sound advice. For those of us who have partners involved, even if they haven't pushed a human out of their body, early parenthood will be tough on them as well, even if it's in different ways. It was definitely challenging. And I think for him, he expected it to be like you see in the movies. You have a baby and we're all happy. Oh my God, perfect family. And I remember one time I was walking around miserable. I hadn't slept for ages. And he said to me, oh, you know, you don't look really happy. <laughs> Thanks. And I'm just like crying. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> like red eyes, red eyes type of crying. So, it, it, yeah, it took some adapting. It, and I think even for him, I thought, you know, he was going to have, he, I think he thought he was just going to have this daughter that was just going to dote on him and be obsessed. Maybe that's what he saw in the films. But she wanted breast milk. And mummy had one. <laughs> So his friends had to kind of tell him, look, don't worry, you know, when she comes off the milk, she'll be more like daddy's girl, which she is, like, she's obsessed with her dad, she's obsessed. But I know that there was times that he would find that really hard to console her. I remember one time he said to me, oh, you know what, take your daughter, like, take your daughter. She's crying. (laughs) I couldn't stop her from crying. Yeah, and you have to obviously become a lot more intentional, you know? You can't be as spontaneous as you were. Everything has to be very planned. Mm. and yeah it's different it's it's very different and I think even you have to evaluate your because we wear so many hats as women there was really a point where you have to kind of reflect and say you know how can I streamline this (laughs) if you like because it becomes it becomes a lot yeah I think it changed a lot but it was it was a gradual change so the, I'll speak about the first time round. I think second time round, we were all a bit more like privy to you know the whole process. So the first time round, because I had this Amugo, like where I had my mum, his mum, my sister, you know, his aunt all coming round. So he was pretty much, I guess, like sheltered from the whole newborn phase for at least for almost almost three months. I think he enjoyed, enjoyed that really because he got to sleep <laughs> and then escape off to work. <laughs> but I think for us, it was probably the first time that he'd seen me really, really vulnerable mm. and realising that, oh my gosh, like my superwoman is not quite there right now and I'm gonna have to buck up you know I'm gonna have to like fill in the gaps (laughs) because you know I think I think it was a bit of a shock actually the shock for me knowing that I actually physically you know mentally cannot do everything that I 
you know, used to do or, or that I want to do and having to rely on him more. That was very unusual for me. And, I, and even for our relationship, like we're very fiercely independent people. So me having to relax more and rely on him more and, and relinquish some control more and him having to fill in the gaps a bit more as well. I think that was quite difficult on us. And even just like the, I guess the physical things that no one really talks about in terms of like, when do you start having sex again? Like when do you reintroduce intimacy? That was a bit of a conflict for us as well. Because I don't think he really, but it being the first time around, I think he really understood what had happened to (laughs) my organs. <laughs> I needed a bit of time to, to recover. Do you know what I mean? The second time around it was all fine, but the first time was like he's like he's like, what's, what's going on? You know? And I was I was still very, I was still very fragile emotionally, let alone physically. So there were lots of things that had to really change and we really had to stand in the gap for each other a whole lot. And and so, is, yeah. yeah. So second time around, actually, I think it's been better. I'm more at ease of saying, like, look, I'm tired. I'm not doing that right now. Can you please do that for me or for us? Can you take over? Yeah, it's it's a bit easier now, but it does take a lot of work and a lot of, like, very honest and very frank conversations. Just yesterday I started a coaching, like, not – I started being a coach. I got a life coach. And one of the things that, you know, I said during the session was – that I'm deserving of care, time and effort. Mm-hmm. And I can give those things to myself as well. Do you mm. know what I mean? So that's what I had to get my mindset into, I guess, to keep our relationship strong. It does change. It really does. Mine's a bit complicated to give perspective. My husband was actually in prison when my first child was born. So that whole process as a single parent. And then our second child is a nice little surprise that was conceived only towards the end of his sentence. So that kind of fourth trimester for us has only been here for like the last year or so since he's been back. So we've been through and we're still kind of in this adjustment period where when he went to prison, he had no children living at Mm. home. And he Mm. came out and he's got two. (laughs) Right. So that has been a big adjustment, as well as the whole transition from, like, prison to, like, normal life is kind of big enough of a deal in itself. I feel like we're still in it. Like, we're still trying to work out, like, schedules. And obviously, I've had this whole period of, like, three, four years where I've just ran the show and everything the way that I want it done but now we're coming back to a place where oh there's another adult that I need to treat like an adult and not like my third child so yeah we're still there we're still there in that kind of like adjustment process and it's definitely been really challenging at times I think that it's probably taken us to the brink on a couple of occasions but I think also one of the hard things is that ironically been together so we've kind of been together for like over 10 years married for seven or eight (laughs) (laughs) yeah so when you've been together so long like you've seen each other through so many different changes and then there's this whole kind of period where you've not grown together you've grown separately and then you kind of get together but there's all this history and we've literally come to it it was kind of like over the last few months we're like you know let's just start again let's leave all the old whatever happened before like let's just start fresh and treat each other like we're in a new relationship and we're trying to impress each other we're trying to like woo each other we're trying to make time for each other because yeah otherwise I think you just become quite jaded and there's just like all this of stuff so yeah we're still in that period it's very complex but we have no progress so I don't know maybe on the next series I'll give I'll give a life update <laughs> In and amongst all the dramas, crises, confusion and pure exhaustion of early motherhood, we still need to somehow find space for ourselves. It's often by force. So we spoke about the first time after giving birth that we left the babies with someone else and just did our own thing for our own sake. I remember 
probably the I don't know maybe one one of the first times uh it was five weeks postpartum and I felt like I was going crazy because I used to run a lot and I hadn't run for for months and you know when after having the c-section I, I couldn't I couldn't even move so I couldn't even roll over in bed let alone run so I think by five weeks I was just really gagging for a run and to be alone and not have someone hanging off my breast you know so <laughs> I didn't seek any medical advice. Don't do this at home. But I didn't seek any <laughs> medical advice. And I went for my run. And I felt like all of my insides were going to fall out of my nether regions. <laughs> How long after your C-section was that? This was five weeks. Yeah. Wow. So it wasn't, and I can't, I say, I say run, but what I mean was like a very like slightly fast walk. But it was, it was enough. I was outside for about 30 minutes. And I felt invigorated. I felt amazing. Mm. You know, I felt sad that I couldn't actually run properly, but it was, I know it's just a matter of time, but just having that space, my gosh, yeah. like, yeah, it was, it was, it was wonderful. That was one of the first times, I think. Mm. I think for me, it was maybe two weeks after I gave birth and I went to the market. Mm. Like, I literally just walked out and said, yeah, I'm going to the market. Mum was like, oh, but you can't go, it's too early. And I just went. <laughs> Yeah. I went to the market with my sister and we walked around. Mm. Yeah, that was the first time. Mm. Mine was was quite a lot late. I think I had a lot of anxiety about leaving, even though at some points I just didn't want to be around him. I still mm. had quite a lot of anxiety about leaving him. I remember the very first time we were in Nigeria and I remember it was Christmas Day and I got in the car in my auntie's car and I drove to like the shopping centre with my cousin and my brother. Yeah, and everyone was like, why the hell are you driving in Nigeria? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? You're trying Do to you die. Have <laughs> Do you have a wish? And I mean, the thought definitely crossed my mind. If I die, what's going to happen to my baby? <laughs> what? <laughs> but I just remember feeling so and I think obviously because it was in Nigeria you know you're back home or whatever and you just feel the sun I remember just feeling (laughs) so free Mm, like just driving in this country that I definitely should not be driving because (laughs) and at that point I had been in like quite a long time as well so it's like I I hadn't driven for like literally six months and then I'm driving in a bush but it was a budget so it wasn't as bad but still yeah, I I think that was kind of because you know like when you're when you're being when you're trying to be cautious sort of, uh, yeah. as a mother and you ha- you make all these calculations about the right thing to do and I was just one time when I was like this is probably not the right thing to do but I'm gonna do it anyway because mm. <laughs> I just want to feel free so I think that yeah that was probably the very first time when I probably made a decision like just purely for myself all the calculations that you make mm. now that you're a mom how it's gonna impact this and it was like yeah let's go and Mm. when my mum found out she was absolutely livid (laughs) but we move as the kids say so I guess if you only take one thing away from today's episode it will probably be motherhood it's not easy but as the saying goes we are still out here surviving and thriving regardless So of course, I had to ask Samantha and Ala about what it is that helps them to survive the harder moments. One for me is Real Housewives of Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) And you guys are laughing, but I'm being so serious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's been a stress reliever. It's been my wind down time. It's been quite wonderful, actually. Yeah, you know, reality TV in general is one of my big <laughs> I would literally like watch, I would like put the kids to bed, like do cleaning or whatever, and then it's my me time for half an hour nice. with Candy and Kenya and Nini. <laughs> I think we I think it's just the mummy communities that I've had a chance to interact with and all the fellow moms I think that's been massive for me I'm not sure how I would have been without it to be completely honest with you and I'm somebody that kind of vibes with other people and enjoys other people's energy and like-minded people yeah I remember I went to my first mummy event maybe two months after my daughter was born I'm still fully integrated in that group now 
and yeah, all my friends are mums. I just love the, all the mummy communities that I've been able to interact with through social media, Sam, parenting podcasts, all the mummy stuff. Yeah, it's been amazing to me, invaluable. And just as important are those moments where you as a parent feel like, wow, I've done something right here. I'm low-key killing it. I felt that way this week. It was after having like a few conversations with my daughter, who's five. Your five-year-olds are really wild. Like they say really interesting (laughs) things. Honestly, their minds are really like interesting. So we spent a lot of time together. So this whole week we've been together pretty much all day, every day. She went back to school. Apart from today, she went back to school today. And she got quite tearful and she was saying that, you know, while she's looking forward to going into year one and like, you know, going back to school and seeing her friends, she really just wants to stay at home. And even when we, I mean, the night before she couldn't sleep because she was so excited for school and then she was excited to put on her uniform again. And then just as we got to the school gate, she started crying. Oh my God, my heart. And it just made me, it made me very like emotional, but it made me feel like, you know what? I'm so happy that her home environment and her family are such secure and safe Mm. spaces for her that she doesn't actually want to leave. Like we don't Mm. have a big space, but she just loves being with her family that much, you know? It's just made me, you know, realise that it's not really about the material things at all. Like I have in my head, like I need to get her, like we're going to have a massive house, a massive garden, all those different things. That's what I'm working towards and whatever. But it's not really about those things at all. Like kids are, they're crazy, but they are very sensible. Do you know what I mean? Like they know what the the real important things are. So I felt like, do you know what? Like it's been tough. I don't always feel like I'm getting it right, but she is happy you know Mm. and that was like a you know a mothering win for me Mm. Um, and I would concur with that because as a child I grew up in a flat there were six of us in the flat so my four sisters my mom and dad but I had a very happy childhood I loved being with my family and I don't think a garden would have necessarily made me that much happier do you know what I mean Mm. my mom took us out to the playground we still did whatever but I I was extreme and when you're small you're just when you're you know, you're young, you're just so happy to just be around your family. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm kind of just thinking about that from her perspective. I think for me, I never really, I don't have much moments, you know. Nothing came to mind where I think, mm, I've got this. Nothing that I do, anyway. Can I can I tell you one? Okay. That was just happened a few days ago, maybe even yesterday. So Ola posted a, an Instagram story. It's like, her stories are always hilarious. Need to follow her. <laughs> just a joker. <laughs> but her daughter had hurt her foot. Oh, yes. <laughs> her daughter, how old is Shadow Me again? Three. She is three, yeah. She's yeah. Three. Her yeah. daughter had hurt her foot. And she just started praying. She started <laughs> praying healing Lord over her foot. <laughs> started praying the blood of Jesus to heal her oh my god and you know like you say you say oh you know I don't really have these moments but that for me is a moment that's that's a girl who is brought up in a very spiritual environment Mm. who knows that she can you know call on god (laughs) to to heal her literally for her little foot (laughs) and she's praying so fervently (laughs) and I I could just see you praying like that you know so I'm sorry that's that's a parenting win like honestly like for someone for a three-year-old to have that kind of connection you know spiritually I think that's amazing I think that's really awesome thank you so much thank you yeah and what it is is I don't see it until is when someone tells me something about Mm. that's when I'm like oh wow okay so the work is not in vain. Do you know what? <laughs> yeah. It's honestly, that's honestly it. That's when I, it's by references. It's when yeah. people tell me. Because even I picked her up from school the other day. And I spoke to Sade actually on the phone. Oh, yeah. She lives in Belvedere, so she was telling me about schools. And she was telling me that she's preparing her daughter for school. So she's been telling her to clear her plate, put it on yeah. a tray. And I thought, oh, that's good. My daughter doesn't start school till next year, so let me try it anyway. 
so I've been getting her to do that. And then in her school, her teacher the other day said to me, you know, she's so helpful. And my daughter's generally quite helpful, thank God. So she's saying she's so helpful. She wants to clear up and help. And, you know, she whispered, oh, the kids don't do that. <laughs> no. So I was like, oh, my God. um, yeah she said you know she clears a plate she wants to help out so it's always I never know until I have yeah it's the references that are encouraging they're encouraging definitely thank you for tuning in to another episode of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide by now we're six episodes in so I really hope you've subscribed rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts If this is your first time listening, don't worry, you're not too late to the party. First of all, subscribe, then go back and listen to the first five episodes and then tell Apple Podcasts how much you love it. Deal? Great. This episode was written by me, Jandela Benson, and produced by Christina Moore of Don't Skip. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.